Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. We are in Genesis 39. We start seeing uh, Joseph's problems just start building up one upon another. So here's, here's the summary, here's the introductory statement, I guess. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. So how did, how did Joseph end up in this situation, just as a recap? Brothers. Brothers. Sold into slavery. Sold into slavery, Right. So that was two chapters ago, so I heard the sordid details of last Wednesday's study. But, yeah, so uh, it's obviously probably followed with on that. He maybe took, a, you know, a month to get there. But So now he's down into Egypt. Um, one commentator noticed that when you see the words taken down to Egypt or taken down, it's usually the preface to bad things to happen. And, like, going up to, Israel, going up to Jerusalem seems like a good thing, taken down or going down to. It's not a good place to be. So, um, so obviously the Ishmaelites are gonna. They bought. <clears throat> they 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 bought uh, Joseph from his brothers, and now they're gonna make some some profit. So they sold him to an officer of Pharaoh whose name was Potiphar. Um, and I'm sure, they made a nice little penny on that. Um, And but the thing is, we I guess we have to keep this this mindset or framework of thinking. God has a plan in all this, so even though it looks like it's not a good thing, um, Matthew Henry said, "What God intends men for, He will be sure in some way or another to quali- qualify them for." So, if we know where Joseph end is going to be, eventually going to be the vice chancellor or whatever you want to call it of Egypt. Well, he's starting at a good place, right? He's in one of the one of Pharaoh's people's, uh, Pharaoh's officers' houses, so God has a way. All right. So let's read. Somebody want to read two through six? Sure. Maybe maybe six A, yeah. All right, here's chapter 39, verse 2. But the Lord was with Joseph became a very prosperous man while in the house of his Egyptian master, who could see that the Lord was with Joseph, because the Lord made everything prosper that Joseph did. That's how Joseph pleased Potiphar as he served him. Eventually, Potiphar appointed Joseph as overseer of his entire household. Moreover, he entrusted everything that he owned into his care. From the time he appointed Joseph to be overseer over his entire household and everything that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian house or the of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing rested on Joseph, whether in Potiphar's household or in Potiphar's fields. Everything that he owned, he entrusted into Joseph's care. Finish the verse or stop there. Oh, that's fine. Okay. Mine just says and because of him he had no concern over anything he ate. But right. Okay. You, you said six A. Okay. Six A. Two. Madam, I'm not sorry. That's all right. We got it. A, B, and C. There's a C labeled in mine. The King James says A, B, and C. Great. Okay. So what? What? This is this is kind of an interesting thing, and I and I know that's kind of like a Sunday school answer, but we probably should just say it because it comes up more than once. How is it that Potiphar, who's and there's nothing said of his God-fearingness or whatever, he's an unbeliever. How is it that he saw that the Lord was with Joseph? There's only a few of us. Somebody's got to answer. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, they were aware of the other gods. True. They had had prior. Abram had been in Egypt previously, and I'm sure Joseph probably talked about sure. God in some fashion. Okay. Well, in the New Testament it says that when they were talking, when they were looking at the disciples, they said these were. They could tell these were 
unlearned men, but they knew that they were with Jesus. So God was you had His Spirit of blessing on Him, and that's sure recognizable whether you're Christian or an unbeliever. People will recognize that in your life. I think Joseph had that. And what were some things in this in this section that we just read that seemed to point to God's blessing on? Joseph. Well, everything he did, is, like, he had the gold finger. <laughs> he had the gold finger. He had finger. the Midas touch. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he said everything that, that Potiphar gave him to do got blessed when he it was at his hand, at Joseph's hand, right in his house, in his field. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know. I don't know how that worked. I don't. Know, it doesn't ever say that Joseph was a field hand, but you know God was putting blessing on Potiphar's house because Joseph because and it says right there for Joseph's sake, right. So God was blessing Potiphar's house. Um, I guess we and I guess we can assume that when Joseph got there, I doubt that he was he was given the best task. He was probably given the worst task, right? But he was he was um, faithful in that, right? And he and he kept at it um, and continued to show that yes, even though he was a prisoner. Basically, he'd been sold to slavery. He could still work. And I think that's a good, you know, how we should be, I guess in our situation, we're not slaves to our slaves to our employers. But, you know, we're working, as the New Testament talks about it, working as unto the Lord, right? He's the one that is actually our ultimate boss, but we're doing a good job to benefit our, our, our employers, so to speak. Um, so we should be a fiduciary to whomever we work for. And how do you explain that? Um, like, if you're not Christian, like, say you're just, like, you're not, like, a manager or you're not, like, a high stakes, like, you're just a grunt guy. Mm-hmm. You show up, you do your time, you go home. <laughs> a manager is beyond that. They have to put the needs of the company or whatever okay. or business above their own. We as Christians are always in that boat, regardless of what job we do. Right, so, right. We want the best for our employer. Right. Okay. Because that pleases God. It right. seems like God helped Joseph do that. Yeah. <laughs> right, and, and there's nothing here that's, I mean, we get a little, we get a few comments about Joseph, what he was like a few comments later, but it, there's nothing that says that he was the strongest or the smartest or whatever, but he obviously was blessed. God gave him the ability the fact that Potiphar it. saw, like, hey, this cat works really well. And right. makes good stuff for me, you know. Right. And we and we saw this previously oh, when Laban. Jacob, yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Uh, Laban recognized that, you know, having Jacob around was very profitable. Yes. So he did everything he could to keep him around as long as possible. That's right. Although it seems Laban was a little bit more of a jerk than Potiphar sure. was. Wow. <laughs> even though he was relatives. Even yeah. though he was relatives. Probably because he was real. <laughs> well, it could be that too. <laughs> you can't get out of here. You're my nephew. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's see. And and I guess the thing too. So obviously God specifically blessed Joseph where he was, but because Joseph was of Jacob, Isaac, Abraham's lineage, he also carried the general blessing that was gonna that was gonna go forth from. God's promise to Abraham. Um, but he also had the specific blessings that came through personal integrity and his personal, you know, I guess work ethic and whatnot that, that, that um, made that go forward. Um, and then it says, so we got up to there, it said that um, put, he put Joseph in charge of everything and he had no worry about anything else. Um, and it, that, that brought to mind when I read that, it brought to mind a verse in Proverbs um, 22 that says, uh, See a man skillful in his work, he will stand before kings, he will not stand before obscure men. So, you know, even in, even at a non-spiritual level, a person who is good at their job is going to, es- you know, escalate in the, in the ranks and, and stand before kings. And we know this one's actually going to be true in the absolute sense, but, you know, work up that way. Um, and then Matthew twenty five twenty one is more in a little bit more spiritual way, but it says, um, obviously it's a parable, but uh, Jesus is talking. He says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enjoy the joy of your master. So 
Um, that's some sort of universal God principle that if we're faithful in the little bit of work that we do, you know, you get more. Now that comes with its own challenges and and whatnot. Uh, being managers is not always the best uh, oh, the best not. time. <laughs> you know, so it's, we were, I was talking to a, a friend of ours who owns a business. We were just discussing, talked about how uh, sometimes there's people that work better than you, that that are smarter than you, that know the job better, but you are treated much better, mm. and you're taken care of. And it's like, what's the reasons for that? And yeah. he said, and he said to me. Um, you know, I'd rather have a guy that doesn't know the job that well than a guy that's going to give me headaches mm. and that knows the job. Like, so that kind of, you know, the Lord will put that in us and mm. if we're working with that Christian standard, that Jesus standard. Right. It's not a, I'm not, not this, Christians aren't my standard, Jesus is. You know, um, as we work for that, with that standard in place, mm. then you know, regardless, we make mistakes. You know, you hit your you hit your thumb with the hammer and have to take a day off, whatever. <laughs> but you'll be welcomed back with sure. the, the guy that's always got a headache and he's always button heads, always I'm better than you. I know my job better than you. Don't tell me how to do like that guy's. Right. He may know the better job, the job better, but he's not going to be blessed in what he does with his employer. Right. You know, or with those that are what's the word. Superior. There you go. Is that a good word? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in in rank sure. to that person. So that's kind of one of those things too, I think. Of course, skills do help. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, skills do help. That skills, they can pretty much can write a ticket. Yeah. That well, that's true. And sometimes the your managers will put up with a lot of crap, even if you if you have extra skills that they really need. There, right. There's a double standard, whether, <laughs> whether it's, it, you know, yeah. and, and I'm a manager, so, you know, I, right now I've got, I got an employee who just always late, doesn't do his job when he comes in, you know, I, I treat, just inherently I look at him differently because mm-hmm. I don't give him as much the benefit of doubt as I would somebody else who's sure. very reliable and very dependable. Sure. It's, a, it's just innate. Right. And that's that standard. That yeah. You're just... Right. Well, and, and I guess that brings up a good point. We want to do the best for our employer mm-hmm. that we can do. We're not, treat, we're not slaves like Joseph was sold into slavery, but um, there's, there's personal benefits of it too, Right is you're going to be happy doing your job if you're doing sure. it that way, and you're not going to be on the bad list from your from your employer, so to speak. So, yeah. Now, just another, I guess, side note. Um, in Chuck Missler's teachings on, you know, work ethic and stuff, um, one thing he always commented, you know, he, was, he was, you know, a businessman for mm-hmm. most of oh, his yeah. life. And then when he went to ministry full-time, he found that... The, um, the people he dealt with in the secular world, my word is my bond, mm-hmm. was way stronger <laughs> than the Christians he dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. Now, morally, they may have not have been, they might have been doing other, but business-wise, sure. you know, their word meant something, where he mm-hmm. found in the Christian world too many, I mean, he didn't name anybody, but he said way more examples of people not Oh, yeah. Owning their word, not mm-hmm. not following through on things, and mm-hmm. even downright being deceptive too. Yeah, sure, sure. Right. That's that's a that's a heavy, and I think that contributes to. Yeah. I mean, we wrestle against you know principalities and powers, but when people who claim Christ pull mm-hmm. that type of stuff, that hurts everybody. Sure. Yeah, and again, I think it's where they have their standards set. Right. Because if you truly have the bar set where it's supposed to be. You see yourself as you are. Mm-hmm. When you have your bar set, like, well, I can, you know, he'll understand. John, I, I could be late. John understands. He's my boss. John's yeah. a Christian, so he gets it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, that, that doesn't work. Right. i got to set that bar up here where it belongs, on the top. Business, business. Not Not halfway, not like, oh, well, we meet eye to eye. You know, going through the acts and seeing slaves and, and masters fellowshipping together in the sure. same place and you know Paul dealt with that he said look you know treat, yeah. your, treat your servants right exactly. you know, servants you treat your treat your masters right yeah. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole, the whole bit. Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of people say they don't want to mix business with, with religion, with church, yeah, so to speak, or, you know. Yeah, it's tough that way. You know, and that's why the pastors at churches had have to be watchdogs so that you don't have people coming in and using it as a networking situation. Right. Um, it, it gets awkward sometimes, I think. Mm-hmm. But yes, if we had the if we had this if we had the standard set right, it wouldn't be an issue. But right. yeah, but yeah. Cheap grace. Men, it's cheap grace. There's no such thing <laughs> as cheap grace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I put quotes around it. Um, <laughs> so, so J- Joseph looks like he's doing pretty good here. He's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's got he's got a good place. Cush- you know, I don't want to say cushy job, but he's definitely moving up in the ranks. Probably, you know, has a charge over thing. Probably has charge over other servants in the house. Um, but let's see what happens in verse seven through twelve. Does somebody want to read that or six B or C, whatever it is, <laughs> through twelve? <laughs> Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. And go do 11 too. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and fled, and got out of the house. Okay, good. Alright, so... Given a little information about uh, Joseph, that he apparently was, you know, a handsome guy. Um, but what were some of the reasons you think um, Potiphar's wife? It's interesting. She doesn't get a name. She's Potiphar's yeah, wife. Um, that, that woman. Yeah. What What are some of the reasons you think that could have caused her to to go after Joseph? So I guess if you want to call it that way. I read some notes that said it was that was not uncommon for Egyptian women okay. to do that. Okay. And it, and clearly it says that Joseph was very handsome. Sure, sure. I think too there was a draw because he was getting the attention of Potiphar. True, sure. You know, so naturally her draw went to that guy. Oh wow, he's good looking too. Right. Well, hey, let's watch him a while. Yeah. You know, see how he works. You could tell he was a good man. No matter how wicked they are, they're all drawn to good. Sure. You know. Sure. Both ways. Right. You know. So he was getting some power in the house, and that was attractive to her. And I think it's a possibility. Um, so if you if you if you uh, Google this title like Joseph in Potiphar's house, it's funny because some of the titles of the more like if you find sermons online, some of the modern ones use things like. The real housewives of, of uh, Egypt, okay. you know, and this whole, this whole mindset of, uh, you know, well, we, yeah. Anyways, um, some people also thought that um, along with the, power, the fact that she was a high-ranking lady and they did this kind of stuff, she might have also been uh, feeling neglected by her husband because it yeah. seems like he, I mean, he was a powerful man. She he was probably out of the a house. trophy wife. Could have been, yeah. And she, or she was bored. It could have just come down to boredom. You know, here's a good-looking guy. And she, technically, she could think mm-hmm. that, um, hey, he, my husband's, my husband bought him, but I'm my husband's wife. He's still my servant. He has to do what I say. So, you know, basically treating him like an object, if you want to put it that way. And it's interesting because we usually don't think about women that way, but... Um, that's uh, that sort of seems to be what's what's coming across here, um, and note like the first verse seven it says, um, after this time his master's wife cast her eye upon Joseph, so boom right the lust of the eye, so even if she didn't get her way I guess technically she'd already committed adultery with him, if we if we take the New Testament paradigm there, um, 
Now, Joseph's response here is 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 well. What? Okay, let's let's just say what is it, what is the response to? I'm scared of you. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but what, so what's his what's his reasoning? I mean, he obviously responds back what to her. Yeah, but it, I, it's a, I always take the point that he didn't say, you know, how, how can I do this and sin against your husband? Sure. Or sin against, right. you know, the, all these people that trust in me. Didn't, they, that didn't matter to him. It was that, again, that standard was where it was supposed to be. He didn't want to sin against his God. Yeah. Like, well, he does, he does mention the, he does mention, well, yeah. I mean, but he, but, but ultimate, that was the ultimate that's standard. His, that's what his, his sin would be against was. God. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. So, but he does. So, but he does reason with her, and in some sense of, you know, listen, your husband put me in charge of everything except for you because you're his wife. Mm-hmm. Almost like a rebuke to, hey, lady, yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> you know, what are you thinking? Um, but you got to think too that she is the, she is the mistress of the house. She she has the power to do him harm. You know. Well, should we see it happens? Um, and likewise, you know, if he was thinking this way, his yielding to her could actually lead to further adva- advancement. So now he'd have, he'd be favored by the wife, the husband and the wife of the house. So there's a lot, there's a lot, I guess you could say, positive payoff, and, uh, uh, positive and negative payoff as far as how this interaction goes out. Um, but you're right. I think the ultimate thing is, that's a that's one of the great lines. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Um, and I was thinking, you know, that's that's sort of got to be our thinking when it comes to any sin. Ultimately, all sin is against God. And we uh, and I know there's that aspect in a spiritual sense, but but there is that there is even aspects of that. I just was I I had the Ten Commandments right. No other gods before me. No carbon images. No, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Okay, those are pretty easy. They all seem to have God directly, right? But then you got 5 through 10. Honor your father and mother. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Do not steal. Don't bear false witness and do not covet. All those you can back up to ultimately being against God. Not, the sen- not, not even in the sense of that's the commandment he gave, but there's aspects of each one of those that is ultimately against God. Murder. Well, what are you doing? You're destroying the image, the image bearer of God, right? Um, uh, committing adultery. You're breaking a union that God is the one who established, you know, husband and wife. Um, even coveting. Um, basically what you're saying to God is, I'm not content with what I have. I want that instead. Or I, I need that even though God's given you what you need, right? So all these actually ultimately go back and are affront, and are affront to God. So that's sort of the standard that I, I think we have to uh, have, which obviously was somehow, um, and I say this, somehow built into Joseph. And I was trying to figure out where did he get this mortar, moral fortitude from? You know, his, his mother and father, okay, so we think his father might have had a change of heart sometime in, you know, pineal whatnot when God touched his leg and, you know, but he def- definitely didn't see it with his brothers, right? You know, uh, he was there. Yeah, was he there? Was he, I don't know what age he was when Reuben went in and Reuben. went into his aunt, right? Uh, I think he might have been sold by. The, we're not sure, right? So the time timing of the two previous chapters isn't exactly clear. When Judah had that whole toward thing with his with his daughter-in-law. Um, but yeah, and then, the, oh, well, I, well, he was there when they went out and killed all the men of uh, Shechem. Shechem, right? So it's just amazing that he had this this moral compass. And I guess what we can say is God's grace, right? Some, you know, ultimately it's God's grace. It wasn't anything, you know, in and of himself per se, but God had given him that, that moral compass to be able to, uh, to, to, to fight against this temptation. Um, also notice that in verse, let's see, verse 10, 
And she spoke to Joseph day after day. And then it says, he would not listen to her or to lie beside her or to be with her. Right? So this was an ongoing thing. It wasn't like, Joseph, you know, come lie with me. And he said, no once, and it was all over. You know, she went on for some time, continuing to try to get him. Um, <clears throat> but he decided, I'm, okay, I'm not even going to talk to you. I'm not even going to be anywhere around you. Except, obviously, when I guess when he had to go do his duties. Which, unfortunately, we, we see happened uh, in, the, in, the, in the following verses here. Um, and again, also, the, it was the perfect circumstances, right? When he went into the house that fateful day, he had a, there was a willing woman. There was no witnesses that would have, would have been able to say one way or the other whether this happened. Um, so, but when it comes down to the point where she grabbed him, what did Joseph do? He ran. Right. <laughs> King James says he got him out. Got him out. Yeah. When words wouldn't work, Joseph fled. So, I think that's probably a uh, a good um, sign. Good sign. Good good example. He obviously wasn't going to beat her up and tell her to shut up. So, okay. So let's see where we at here. So, uh, how about somebody read? 13 to 18. And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house, and spake unto them, saying, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us, to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. Did you say 18? Uh, yeah. And she spoke unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. Okay. So, how quickly Mrs. Potiphar's lust turned to hate. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it, it reminded me also of another story, you know, a couple hundred years in the future of this. Um, <laughs> David had all these sons, right? And one of his sons, Amnon, wanted to lie with uh, his sis, half-sister, I guess. Tamar, mm -hmm. and he went after and went after and went after and went after. Well, then he played sick, and she came in and gave him food. And then it says, basically, he raped her, and then he despised her and, like, forced her out. And it's just, it's just a terrible picture of, yeah. you know, there, there, there's, no, there's not even a shred of compassion love in there at all. It's just all pure lust. So, um... And isn't it interesting that um, that Joseph's coat causes him some problems again, right? Because if she hadn't grabbed his coat, there wouldn't have been any proof that he had even been there, right? But his coat yet again comes to be his uh, part of a deceit. In the plan. What's that? It was all in the plan. It was in the plan. I give you that. Give you that. Tied up in a lie, though, right? So what was the first instance of his coat being used in a lie? That he was killed. By a wild animal. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. They covered it with blood and said, "Is this your son's coat?" Yeah. So. Um, so here's Potiphar's wife. She tells it to the men of the house, I guess, so they came back in, and then look at her. What else do you see about her in some of the words that she said in this section here? She's a lion. Yeah. That. It was he was blaming the husband. Yeah. 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 Well, look you, at Joe. Your fault. You brought yeah, him here. Well, look how she look how she mentions her husband in verse fourteen. See, he has brought among us a Hebrew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not even my husband yeah. or your your master. It's he. Mm -hmm. Her husband's just a he to her. He to her. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So, <laughs> right, she's just not a very nice lady. She's not a very nice lady. Um, so then she falsifies this story, um, waits till the husband comes home, tells the story again. In her own little way. In her own little way. Now, I assume... Add some more words, take some words out, and she say this. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what she's doing. Now, I assume that Joseph is there. When this when this happens, especially when the master comes home, and she's saying, you know, she seems to be telling him, and maybe maybe even pointing and shaking the finger, right? Why didn't Joseph stand up for himself? I mean, he he'd obviously gained some cred with the with the boss man there. Which is probably why he didn't get killed on the spot. Shh, next point. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't really say why Joseph didn't say anything, but any conjecture why he didn't? Are, are we sure he's right there? Well, at some point he must have. He must have, you know, come face to face with with this right, accusation. I'm, I'm just assuming that he's in the big picture somewhere. Yeah, why, I'm when just she's, saying in this immediate, he's probably not in the immediate presence when she's accusing him. Okay, but okay, so and even then the the. the um, Potiphar flew in a rage. There's probably nothing. Yeah. Even if Joseph were to say anything, okay. Whether (laughs) Joseph thought of it on his own or was inspired from God, not saying anything was the correct move here. Okay. So to keep quiet, keep yourself out of further trouble. Don't try to. Because anything he would have said was not going to help Uh, him in this circumstance. More drama than what it is. Yeah. Started running his mouth. So just, as I say, shut up. <laughs> sure. Well, and I, I guess I would even, if you want to put the spiritual side out of it, he, he was entrusting his fate to God, yes. right? I'm if gonna, if God him. didn't let his brothers kill him, yeah. you know. And He's then not he, going to let this Egyptian kill him either. Right. right. Yeah. Also, with, with the Hebrew mind, prophecy is pattern. Um, you can kind of apply this. Jesus didn't Jesus. speak either. Yeah. Sure. Got the points towards the end there. <laughs> True, absolutely. Um, oh, and plus, if you had the, if you, I was gonna, you were going to say prophecy. He had those dreams that his brothers and his father and mother were going right. to bow down to him. Right. If he took that to be, if he understood what it meant and he took it to be true, it hasn't happened yet. Right. Yeah. Right. So he's got to get to that point sometime. Yeah. So. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So let's. Let's do the last few verses here, um, 19 to 23. 19 to 23. Want to do those, Paul? Sure. Now it came about when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, that is, anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Okay, so what we see this repeat again. So Joseph is now moved from uh, location A to location B. And we see it repeated again again. The Lord was with him. The Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed everything he did. The Lord, and the other people put him in charge. And now, you know, he's moving, moving up the ranks in prison. I guess that's a good thing. Um, as John said, um, it is likely that Potiphar, being who he was, could easily have had Joseph killed for, for that offense, even if it was a lie. Um, but God was saw to it that he was just placed in prison, which was the next step up towards, because it wasn't just Potiphar's prison, it was the king's prison or Pharaoh's prison, right? Mm -hmm. So now he's moving, 
closer to the end goal where God wants to get him to. Um, so again, all part of God's sovereign plan. Um, Which I think, too, is kind of a case in point to Joseph's character and who he was in relation to Potiphar. And like you said, Egyptian women in power would do that sort of thing, mm-hmm. possibly. I, I think Potiphar probably... <laughs> I think there's a... I think Potiphar knew that Joseph didn't do it. Yeah, I think there's a good possibility that his wrath was kindled against his wife. But he had to take that action. But sort now like it was Pilate, out sort right. of Pontius Pilate had to. He have couldn't Jesus keep him around now because, because there was an accusation. Yeah. yeah. And and that's why he ended up in the king's prison. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't in the common prison. Sure. And it wasn't in the grave or the gallows. Sure. Which it actually didn't matter. He could have just killed him on the spot. He was property. Right. Right. So that that didn't matter back then. Right. Um. So I I I I kind of have always read it read it that way. I, I see it all as a movie. And I see it playing out that way, that when she said that, he looked at her. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> that probably wasn't the first time. <laughs> you know. Yes. Well, we'll get some of that in 40. It's obvious that... Uh, yeah. Yeah. But there's there's a... Yeah. Um, so then... Yeah, so... Do, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, from a practical standpoint, I mean, how many times have, you know, in our own... Wives, you know, uh, my co- my direct colleague, who's accused of some very serious stuff, you know, that he didn't do, you know, some things he, that were supposedly said that weren't said, mm-hmm. and could jeopardize his career. Mm-hmm. And it was more than one person; it was at least two people who corroborated, like maliciously, who said some stuff to our administration. Yeah, basically um, slandering my colleague. Yeah, it's the same vibe here. Yeah. In the sense that somebody's being falsely accused oh, yeah. and falsely, yeah. yeah, right, right. So, right, so we're... And, and how do we deal with that? Right. Yeah, that's the... Right. So I guess, I guess those things, those things definitely happen. And so the fact that Joseph didn't say anything, he trusted himself to God... You know, we don't, I don't think any of us have any prophecies that were given to us that haven't fulfilled. But I'm just saying, I think that sets the pattern. And knowing that even if you end up where you're not supposed to be, um, God is still there, right? So all his mortal help had gone. Even the guy, at least for a while, the guy that liked him wasn't, wasn't there. But the keeper, the chief keeper, you know, again, started seeing things happen. Look at this guy. God's blessing everything he does. Okay, I'm going to make him chief prisoner. He's going to be over all the other prisoners. Um, and he didn't even wor- the chief chief guy didn't even worry anything that he was doing because yeah, he just funny. He put the guy in prison and he ends up running the whole prison. Yeah, right. doing yeah. the job for the prisoner. Yeah, the prison keeper. Right. Yeah. And again, so you would think. Okay, so you would think that maybe, maybe this position would entail some stuff of going out of the prison to do, and but he didn't run away. He didn't like say, okay, here's my chance. I'm going to break and go back and I'm going to tell my father about my brothers, what they did to me. And, you know, well, nope. The first time he sent him out somewhere, if he really did go outside of the prison, yeah. he sent, he's got one of those guys with the big sickle swords and oh. follow him. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure he doesn't run. <laughs> it just, but that doesn't seem like the character, right? Right. Of him. Right. Yeah. He wouldn't have to. Yeah. Right. So. So I guess that's, you know, there's not much more to say. He, again, he's going to be blessed, and he, uh, he's going to be blessed in this place, and he starts moving up the ranks again. Um, somebody already mentioned the, the types. So Joseph is a type of, of Christ himself. Um, so there's comparison and contrast, right? Um, and these are questions that sort of Pat, uh, Matthew Henry lays out. Um, was Joseph unfairly treated even by his own family? Our Lord was more so, right? Did Joseph avoid temptation and sin? Our Lord was perfectly sinless and triumphed over Satan, Satan's temptations in the wilderness. Was Joseph cast in prison though innocent? Our Lord was bound and numbered among transgressors. Did Joseph's suffering actually result in blessing, not only for his family, but also for the whole of Egypt? Our Lord's crucifixion has resulted in eternal salvation for millions across the world and down the centuries to the glory of God. So... Those are, those are probably a few of the many ways that you could find that 
Joseph is a type, mm-hmm. and he sort of uh, foreshadows uh, what 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 Christ Himself would do. So let's. I think we got time to go through forty. Get to do some dream stuff. Um, so verse one through four. <clears throat> Want to read that, Baron? Okay. Sometime later, both the senior security advisor to the king of <laughs> Egypt and his head chef offended their master, Egypt's king. Pharaoh was so angry with his two officers, his senior security advisor and his head chef, that he locked them up in the prison dungeon operated by the captain of the guard, the very place where Joseph was imprisoned. The captain of the guard entrusted them to Joseph's custody, who took care of them since they were to remain there in custody for a number of days. Thanks. Now, just so it's clear on the recording as well, um, you said chief security officer and... Senior security advisor. Okay, and chief chef. That would be literally the cupbearer. Right. So that comes into play later, so it's important to say cupbearer and chief baker, I guess. Yeah. So the note is... The servant who tested food and beverages for poison, and so throughout the chapter. Yeah, yeah. But that's important. It's important oh, yeah. to note, though. I think those are good terms in the sense of these were like mm-hmm. guys up there. You right. know, the chief, the chief cupbearer is the guy right next to the guy mm-hmm. when he was, you know. So um, these are important positions, and apparently they did something to to make Pharaoh mad at them, and he threw them in prison. Okay. Um, it's important also to note. That that word that says Captain of the Guard, verse 40, if you go back in, to 39.1, that's Potiphar. Yeah. So Potiphar was actually the Captain of the Guard, and now he's the Captain of the Guard in this story. So there's an there's a interesting thing which comes into play with um, he's already got favor and... Uh, so he's the cupbearer? No, uh, Potiphar is the Captain of the Guard in this story. Okay. In, verse four, in chapter 40. Okay. Yeah, so... Potiphar is a continuation through uh, from thirty nine, which and it feeds into what you said that he he uh, Potiphar obviously started doubting his wife's story, and it's clear here that he's probably really doubting his story after seeing how well. Uh, um, Prison is so shaped up. Yeah, nice. yeah, and how and what his good character was, right? So. Um, so multiple times we have the Lord was with Joseph, blessed Joseph, um, Captain of the Guard. Okay, so that's the stage set. So these high-ranking guys. So here we got the God's networking session. Again, <laughs> moving the chess pieces to make another bridge for Joseph to get one step closer to the king of Egypt slash Pharaoh, um, where, which is the ultimate goal so that he could fulfill the uh, the prophecies that, are, that were made about him. Um, okay, so we got a long section here. I guess I'll just read this five through nineteen. It's the dreams and the interpretation. <clears throat> um, and one night, they both dreamed. Both of those prisoners, the cupbearer and the chief baker, they both dreamed. The cupbearer and the baker, the king, and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream in each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in the custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams, and there was no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me this kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, 
And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered him, This is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds of the e- and the birds will eat the flesh from you. <laughs> so yeah. Um yeah. So these two guys have been put under Joseph's care. And they obviously had a bad night. They must have had something bad to eat. No, no, that's not true. Um, <laughs> um, I just want to mention a few things about dreams and interpreting dreams. I, this was a big thing for me when I was growing up. I kept like a dream log and I wrote down, you know. But it's not something, the general practice of interpreting dreams is not something that's promoted in the Bible. It's not something that we should do because... Obviously, God can speak to people in their dreams, but it's not, you know, dreams don't necessarily have a, uh, a, a secret deep meaning for, for us to be able to figure out. Sometimes it's just our, you know, a bad piece of steak or, you know, just things of the day just going crazy and, you know. Um, but we do know that God has used dreams and he, and he records multiple places, including this one uh, throughout, the, throughout the time to speak to people. We saw a few previous. Um, God warned Abimelech about Rebekah being a married woman. Um, Jacob had a dream at Bethel. He saw the angels ascending and descending. And he was also told in a dream to leave from Laban uh, to come back to the promised land. Um, Joseph had the dreams before he went to slavery. Um, Joseph is going to interpret some dreams that Pharaoh had later on. Solomon had a dream. Uh, God said, what will you have for me? And when he asked for wisdom... Uh, Daniel, obviously, very famous dreams, uh, interpreting the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. And in the New Testament, we had Joseph, the father of Jesus, uh, had multiple dreams. Before Jesus was born, he was told to take Mary as your wife. Uh, Before Herod killed the infants, he was told to flee. And when he got down there, he had another dream, and God told him, okay, come on back. Um, So there are clear examples that God can use dreams to communicate to people. But that's not the general. That's not the general way God does communicate to people, and we have to be uh, um, we have to be careful because there's actually several warnings in the Bible about dreams and dreamers. Um, Deuteronomy 13 talks about if some dreamer comes to you with their dream, and you know, don't listen to him, don't follow him, because it's the Lord testing you to see if you're going to follow and fall away. Um, Jeremiah mentions about these dreamers who dream their things that lead my people astray. And in Jude, it says, um, Jude, well, there was only chapter in Jude 1, Jude 1, 8, something to the effect of, um, you know, these dreamers are going to continue to deceive people, and, you know, they're going to go into their own destruction for it. So, um, many people say they have a dream. It's not a good thing, (laughs) because it's usually not biblical uh, guidance. Um, But we also know, and I think we discussed this two weeks ago, there's a promise that in the end times God would pour out his spirit and the old men shall dream dreams. And we obviously had examples of people in the Middle East that are that are being given dreams to go talk to somebody because they'll tell them about Jesus or whatever. So, um, okay, that being said, there's obviously some some real dreams going on here and they have, they have meanings. They're sent by God. Um, it's interesting, too, that Joseph had two dreams which foretold his future and sealed his fate with his brothers. And now here are two more people having dreams that are going to tell their future and affect Joseph's fate. So it's kind of interesting that the, that the um, dreams are the avenue by which some of this is going to come to play. Um, so let's see. All right, so what kind of dreams? So obviously they had the dreams, so the, the preface like five through eight here. They had dreams, and it really caused them some some problems right mm-hmm. um, the Lord gave him a dream and he made them remember the dream was causing them to be trouble how does Joseph respond to that when he sees them he notices their countenance sure 
And it was they weren't just faces; they were real people to him. And he, to me, it shows that his his more of his character. Sure. Was someone that took notice of, you know, when Mark, you don't look like you're too happy today. What's up? Yeah. You know, he he was that kind of guy. Right. He went right to him with it. So he wasn't just the the prison guy that slapped right, the food bread and <laughs> here's, here's some soup. <laughs> he spilled it. Lick it up. <laughs> so he's showing some compassion. Yeah. T- towards them. And concern. Yeah. Concern and consideration to ask. Yeah. You know. And then humility and how he deals and immediately gives God credit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All dreams. All now, dreams. what did they say to him? They said... There's no one to interpret it. Right. So it's they... Like, <laughs> now there is. Now there maybe, is. But. Because it was the practice in that time, and we even saw this, like I said, even in Daniel's time. Yeah. You know... Soothsayers out. Right. And I, and I love what Daniel says... When, you know, we only get here interpretation belong to God, but when Daniel speaks to them, he says, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or astrologer can show the king the mystery uh, that he is asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, etc. So um, if God gave the dream, obviously God can give the interpretation of the dream through his chosen uh, channel, right? Um, now it's interesting, when we get to the dreams... They were similar in pattern, but they were almost exactly opposite in the interpretation and the outcome, mm-hmm. um, which I think, again, is another indication that, you know, like I said, I, I did a lot of this stuff, you know, dreams, reading books about dream interpretation, all this stuff. There are no rules for dreams, right? Obviously, three things in one dream meant one thing, and three things in another dream meant something, you know, they meant days, but then... You know, one is, oh, your head will be lifted up, and, oh, your head's going to be lifted up off your body. So, you know, you just can't come out with uh, with exact rules of what, what a dream means because I don't think we're supposed to meant to interpret our dreams. Um, so what do we have here? Somebody want to summarize the uh, cupbearer's dream and what it meant? says for the cupbearer that the, the three branches represent three days and then in three days he'll be lifted and restored okay. back to his position. Okay, so that's a pretty that's a pretty that's a pretty cool thing. You've been cast in the prison and now you're gonna yep, okay, you're gonna be released. Go back and, to your and, and uh, Joseph asks him to remember him yes. when he is you know, released back or restored. Right. Right, he didn't ask for money or honor. He just said, "Please remember me." Keep in mind, that's <laughs> right. Um, and how about the baker? What was his dream? What was the the basic gist of his uh, his dream and uh, interpretation? Dun, dun, da, dun, well, the the cupbearer, his his dream, you know, the vines were producing fruit, mm-hmm. and he was standing doing his job and and using that fruit for his master the pharaoh sure where the baker he had basically his job but the birds of the air which is always a mm. picture of the evil one mm. coming to take that stuff away he wasn't in the service of the king anymore so sure that would be the interpretation was that your 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 position and your head is going to be taken away from you right yeah that's kind of disgusting mm-hmm. how it then equated to the bird you'll be hung on a tree you'll call, you take off your head Hang you on a tree and let the birds of the air eat your flesh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not very... Those big turkey buzzards. And, and you know, he had to be so bummed, too. Because he just... He's like standing in line. Oh, cupbearer. Oh, yeah. What a great interpretation. He's going to yeah. be restored. Sorry, don't have such good news for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's funny, too, like you say that, because... This cupbearer gives his interpretation, and Joseph's like, look, you're going to be restored. Just remember me. Don't forget me. I'm in here for uh, it, an unjust cause. I wasn't meant to be put down here. Remember me when you get back to Pharaoh. And the other guy butts in, hey, my dream was this. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was a little bit excited to get his heart crushed. Yeah. Yeah, no, and look, and <laughs> again, know? Joseph's character comes out um, in that he actually he gives the guy the what the interpretation that God gave him, mm-hmm. right? He didn't give him like, 
Yeah, uh, uh, it's kind of cloudy. I can't quite yeah. see what's going on. Oh, it's going. It's <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And he sorry. also, I, and I think the important thing too is he he didn't bargain beforehand. Mm-hmm. True. He didn't, he didn't use. If I tell you, go do yeah, this. Yeah, he me. didn't make this a conditional interpretation. Right. Right. He was generally yeah. concerned for for them. I was having a conversation last week about suffering, and I made the comment that. You know, I hope I really don't have to go through it. I'm hoping for the rapture there won't be any suffering. And you know, I said, you know, you have to be willing to suffer the hard things mm. for Christ. <clears throat> and I think in Joseph showing the character that, listen, we have to be willing to say, to speak the hard things. Sure. As well as the things that bring joy. Right. Like, so whether it would be in a rebuke or, or a truth. Right. That someone else is not going to want to hear. Right. Like, we have to be faithful to that if it's given to us to give to them. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's all trust and faith and, and being faithful to our Savior. Sure. And so, right, and it's, and it's, I mean, we have to we have to speak the truth in love, but sometimes that's still going to hurt. Right. I was having a conversation with somebody, you know, about this, this uh, you know, churches rolling over to the homosexual thing and, you know, right. the way these comments start coming out. And I was like... There's this one guy, um, Michael Brown. He's a he's a he's a columnist and commentator, and he's a Christian. I mean, he's he's definitely a solid Christian, um, but he gets attacked like crazy because he's like bringing up some of the stuff, you know, the shooting and all this stuff. Um, and then people just start jumping on him. And I I remember putting one comment in there to somebody that was jumping on him, saying, you know, he's just a hate monger. I'm like, hey, sometimes the truth hurts. <laughs> you know, you might not want to believe that homosexuality is wrong because you have a gay son, but God still says it's wrong, and you can't change that. Sorry, it hurts. You know, mm-hmm. so that I think that Joseph didn't t- didn't pull back and and pull any punches in this in the sense of, you know, I guess by telling the guy he was going to have his head taken off at least to let him quote unquote put his put his things in order. His head right first. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like, I mean, at least in the English translation here, mine says, and Pharaoh will lift up your head from you. Like, mm-hmm. he's concerned that, you know, he's going to be killed. It's not like, oh, yeah, God, you're going to die. Pharaoh's going to kill you. Who cares? Yeah, King James says, from off thee. From off thee. <laughs> it will lift up thy head from off thee. Yeah, it's not a good thing. The um, New Testament verse that pops to mind on the second dream is, um, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never, ever knew you. Mm. I wonder if that could be like a type of you know, the person who thinks that you know, maybe all is good when nothing is good. <laughs> oh, you mean because the baker thought he was going to get a good interpretation and then mm-hmm. wasn't going to go good, yeah. Yeah. And it's not even clear um, what these guys did. Right. Like, did it deserve death? But they said, it's it, one of the comparisons that I saw also was, this is almost like Jesus, actually I think... I, Oh, I didn't. I don't think I. I don't think I was able to copy it over. Oh, maybe I did. Maybe I did. Wait a minute. Let's see. I probably did at the end of this. Ah, maybe not. Anyways, it's an interesting comparison. That so, if 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 Joseph is the Jesus character, Jesus was between two other prisoners, right? One said, "One said, remember me," and Jesus did remember him. He didn't forget him. Joseph said to the one prisoner here, "Remember me," and he and he forgot him. Right. Yeah. So it's almost. A, and the other one was, you know, going on his way. He was going to be killed for what right. he deserved, and you know, so. Um, yeah, interesting kind of kind of comparisons. There are always neat how God works that out. Um, yeah. So I guess we've already got to the punchline here. Um, so on the third day, verse 20, Pharaoh's birthday made a feast for all his servants, lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker, that's a euphemism, uh, among <laughs> his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Mine says he deliberately forgot him. Oh, hmm. okay. Yeah, that doesn't come through in the... Uh, in the English, does it? Nay. 
<laughs> they... Sorry, I'm King James. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, so yeah, so obviously, so obviously, Joseph was getting the truth. He told him the truth, and God worked it out. That that's that's how that's what the dreams actually were, were going to mean. Um, <clears throat> oh, again, well, I know, but I, where I was going with the whole king, the Pharaoh, and why he put him in prison. Some have said, was it just because you know he spilled wine? Or was it because the, the bread was stale? Or was there actually something that there was like a conspiracy that the baker really was guilty of something and the cupbearer was really innocent and here God works it out that the innocent will be justified and the guilty, the sin will catch up with them. So um, whatever it was, if, or if it was just his, you know, being the king, he could do what he wanted, um, that, that, that's, we're not quite sure. But, yes, they forgot him. Man maybe is prone. The, Go ahead. Maybe the, the uh, cupbearer sh- showed some repentance and the, the baker didn't. That's true. If they if they did get out of prison and they were back at their duties, yeah, it's not it's not clear. Like Pharaoh could have taken that into account also. True, true. But what do you think? Um, what do you think this experience <laughs> taught Joseph? Because he's still in the poke, pokey, pulling the poke. Don't trust prisoners to keep their <laughs> word. Well, no, that could be part of it. <laughs> God is faithful to do what he said he's going to do. True. Well, I guess along those lines, you know, man is quick to forget you, but God never will. Mm. Yes. Right? Yeah. You, you can trust God. It doesn't seem... We, we it, The next chapter 41 starts out after two whole years. So I guess we can assume, based on Joseph's character... That he continued to be a, a good prisoner, a good manager of the prisoner. You don't read anywhere where Joseph is, I don't know what to go with, maybe whining about his Absol- predicament. Absolutely not. Not one word right. is uttered. And if it was there, he kept that between him and God. Yeah. True. He didn't let it show. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the character of the man. Right. So. I could. I suspect that he was a bit disappointed that he wasn't spoken up for, um, especially if it was deliberate, like that word that version mm-hmm. says, you know. But he's still faithful, right? Yeah, and because we knew we do know that the chief again, the chief chief of the guard was the was the uh, was with him in the prison, so he still had his his buddy Potiphar there with him, and I'm sure he continued to treat him very well. Um, but he was still locked up, which is, you know. Mm-hmm. Now the interesting. Now the thing is, is <clears throat> we know that this pharaoh. Okay, so it's just it's it's probably the same guy. So we don't know whether it was was the delay because God needed to still position the right pharaoh at the right time for Joseph to meet him. It doesn't seem like there was a change, but we don't. Hear, you know that might have just not been recorded. Um, but it's just you know God's timing, and Joseph committed himself that God was going to work it out. So. Yeah. Anything else? Well, we can just uh, close in prayer if you want. Whatever, I'm cool with you. All right. Lord, we thank you for our, our time tonight. And uh, Lord, we do thank you for the example of, uh, of Joseph, um, just his, uh, his work ethic and his uh, faithfulness and his desire to uh, serve those who were who were over him, doing it faithfully. Um, and uh, we just pray, Lord, that you would uh, instill that character more in us. Um, and there's times when it's easy for us to get lazy or uh, not work as hard as we, as we, as we should or as we could. Um, and we know, Lord, that all, ultimately we're working unto you. Um, you've got us where you want us. Um, we just pray, Lord, that you would continue to teach us from your word. Um, and we thank you, Lord, that you, you do have a plan. You had a plan for Joseph. You have a plan for each one of us. Um, we pray that you would uh, help us to trust you even when um, <clears throat> the circumstances, the people around us, um, even our own minds might start setting against us um, and doubting and having fear that we would be able to look to you and trust you and know that you are good and that your ways are perfect. Um, 
we lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.